Welcome back to the Facts About PACs podcast brought to you by NAPPAC, the National Association of Business Political Action Committees. I am your host, Michaela Isler, NAPPAC's Executive Director. Today, episode two of our special five-part election series. Have a seat and roll up your sleeves. We've got the vaccine that will protect your PAC's investment in your digital campaigns. The doctor is in. Political technologist Eric Wilson is our special guest, coming up in just a few minutes. And since we last spoke, y'all, POTUS has been diagnosed with COVID-19, been hospitalized, treated, released, and returned to work in the Oval Office. All of that and a Category 2 tweet storm. And don't forget that vice presidential debate last night. Too much to run through, but there is one story that stands out above the others, really for me. The 2020 Nobel Prize in Chemistry was awarded this week to two female scientists for their work on CRISPR, the genetic scissors that can cut DNA at a precise location, allowing scientists to make specific changes to specific genes. Their discovery is bringing hope to many people around the world suffering from cancer and inherited conditions such as sickle cell disease. I have covered this story for years in podcasts that I've produced. And I tell you, when I was reading this NPR story, I noticed a pretty interesting fact, Michaela. 120 years now, we've been awarding the Nobel Prize in Chemistry. And over that period of time, 185 humans have had the honor. And before this week, only five of them were women. Emmanuel Chapartier and Jennifer Doudna are the sixth and seventh women to win the Nobel Prize in chemistry. Absolutely fantastic. It really is, Adam. We're happy for both of them. All right, Adam, off to the races. The Facts About PACs podcast is produced especially for the members of the National Association of Business Political Action Committees. In every episode, we recap this week's NABPAC activities share actionable intelligence and best practices, all while connecting the PAC community. And now our special guest, political technologist, Eric Wilson. Welcome to the Facts About PACs podcast, Eric. Hey, Michaela, thank you so much for having me today. I'm really excited to be here. Well, we're glad you could join us. So Eric, let's just jump right in. Our listeners are government relations professionals, many of whom who manage PACs for corporations and associations, all of whom are working to improve their programs constantly. What do you see is the biggest risk facing our space as we prepare to relaunch our programs after the election? Well, I think for people in the the government affairs, corporate relations sector really face a lot of pressure to innovate. And so the folks who aren't keeping up with new technologies, not trying new things are going to be in a real tight spot because think about your members, the people who are sending you to Washington. In their business, they are being disrupted at every turn by new technology and digital transformation. And they expect the same thing of their partners in Washington. And so I think the biggest risk is for uh, folks in this space to tune out and just keep doing things the same old way year in and year out. Yeah, I think that's a great point, especially in this world that we're living in with COVID-19. Many of our members are having to face that important question of how do we innovate and continue to be successful going forward. And and really, I don't think it's going to change much, uh, even as we go into 2021. I think the biggest thing for our members is, you know, getting that buy-in from stakeholders and the employee-funded PAC space is critical to a program's success. And not demonstrating value can be a real big problem. How should we be thinking about measuring and proving value right now? 
Well, the first problem with any metric is the moment it becomes the goal, you're done. You need to find metrics that help you achieve your goal and and not optimize to that. So if you're just saying, hey, look, we raised 10% more into our pack this cycle than we did last cycle. Well, that's probably not innovating because you're not trying to do more with your resources. So really thinking about what are the things that are actually going to move the dial for your industry or for your community, and then how do you deploy those resources wisely in a way that you can demonstrate the inputs and outputs. I think that's really very important for folks. It's not just we hit our the same bar last year and we did a little bit better, but it's it's we did something new, we made our mark, and here are the results for it. You know, you put this money in and we got this out. Take us beyond the strategy. I know that on the business side, you're a part of the bullpen technology group. How is technology getting into the hands of our audience and pack managers? If your members aren't already thinking about this, they need to be very aware that one of the biggest things that technology is doing right now in terms of digital transformation is democratizing the process. It is easier than ever to get meetings with lawmakers, to get your message in front of them through Twitter, Facebook. For the people who aren't in Washington and don't understand the value of the PAC community, government relations professionals, they have tools available to them that they didn't before. And so the role of gatekeeper is kind of crumbling, right? We're seeing it in all kinds of industries, but especially here in politics and advocacy. And so what needs to happen is that professionals in this space need to use new technology to extend their leverage, to take advantage of that specific knowledge and those special relationships that they have here in Washington, D.C., but in state capitals across the country. So using things that help them get smarter, quicker, multiply their efforts, and can measure things even better and more precisely than ever before. Eric, I think that's a really excellent point. And we've heard over and over from our members that you can't really say there's a positive of COVID-19, but the point that you can actually get out and reach more of your either PAC eligibles, engage more folks in the process has been a real benefit of moving to this sort of all virtual environment. One of the things we're trying to tackle, though, as we look into 2021 is how do you still have more of an authentic connection with your audience in this digital space? I think for those of us in the influence industry, we need to be honest with our stakeholders about what we know, what we don't know, and the possibilities that could happen. So I think really being authentic about what we know is going to be key. Letting folks know that we are in unprecedented times. I know to borrow the the common TV ad line that we've been seeing for the last several months, but letting members and stakeholders know this is unprecedented, but let them know that you have a plan, right? You may not know what the outcome is going to be, but you have a plan. You at least are aware of the options. And I think that is the sort of expertise that people outside of Washington are really looking for right now. I think it's fascinating to see how people are using the resources they already have to achieve these goals. Where I would start is there are already people who care about your issues, who care about your organization, who are out there raising their hand right now saying, I want to be involved. I want to be in touch with you. And the easiest step, and it's basically free, is to just collect those people, get in touch with them, hear their ideas, and turn them into advocates. Because one of the things that we're seeing is that people really want to take ownership 
in this process and want to be engaged. And I think we're seeing more civic participation than ever before. And voters are frustrated that things aren't happening. They have a vision of how Washington is supposed to work. And I think your members, folks in the government relations industry, business PAC community, are at a point that they can get them plugged in and provide meaningful action for them. So first of all, people are raising their hands, get them plugged in. Second, I'm a big believer in building owned audiences. So once you have people enrolled in what you're doing, whether that's sign up for your email list, subscribe to your YouTube channel, downloading your podcast, you can talk to them over and over again and really transform them into really good advocates. And those are two things that take a lot of work, take a lot of time and investment, but are relatively cheap compared to running a big ad campaign or building a fly-in day or something like that. So I think those are the two places where I would focus right now. Eric, I really appreciate the comments on the civic engagement, and we're seeing historic engagement numbers from our member companies during this time. But but corporate communications is on the minds of many of our members right now as well. There's a real difference between those two, isn't there? Absolutely. And they both have their place in what's going on right now. And one of the things that we've seen over the last several years is that communities with causes are beating organizations with messages every single day of the week. The example I always go back to is the March for Our Lives, the students from Parkland High School in Florida, they did more in the course of a few months to advance significant changes to gun control legislation than 20 years of that issue being in the platform of the Democrat Party, Michael Bloomberg spending hundreds of millions of dollars on it. So that's just one example of how that can upend very quickly. That's why companies need to be very forthright in their communication and make sure that they have that open channel to the people who care about their issues. So they may not necessarily be internal stakeholders. It's not necessarily your employees, but people who care about this issue, they need to hear from you before the crisis starts. And so I think it's a hard reality for people to wake up to, but we're not in control anymore. The communities of people that are able to self-organize and have leaderless movements online uh, have tremendous power. And so I think the real challenge for for people in the influence and advocacy space are figuring out how do you take advantage of those moments when they arise? How do you make sure you navigate them when they may not be in your favor, but all the while maintaining your priorities for your stakeholders? when there's dissonance between what the corporation is doing and what their CSR is saying, they're getting called on that. And the challenges are real and finding correct answers, especially to important questions like diversity, equity, and inclusion. No one's letting that slide anymore. That's right now. I wanted to ask a question, Eric, since we are in this election special and we are the number one pack podcast in America. When you're working in Washington, D.C., You hear people occasionally talk about, oh, well, you know, the Buffett rule. Is there some sort of Buffett rule or Wilson rule about political technology that we should all walk away from this podcast episode with? Professionals in this space invest in things that they don't understand. An example of this, I know everyone has been pitched on geofencing. They want ads that that just target that member in that specific building at that right moment. Well, unless you understand how online advertising works you won't know that that's actually not something that's possible and you're just being sold a sales line there. And so I think it's really important that professionals be able to understand what it is 
that they are buying into. And if they don't understand it, get a partner to help them out, but always have a very clear goal for what you want to achieve. What is the thing that you can hold in your hands, so to speak, to say, this was an effective activation and it achieved results for our members. Eric, I think that's a really important point. I mean, the technology seems to be changing every time we turn around and we're not technology experts. I mean, that's really not you know, where we lead from. What is your best advice and where can our members go to sift through all of this great advertising and selling of these products to really get down to the basics? The best thing folks can do is have a very clear idea of what they want to achieve when they go find a partner. If you let someone come to you, they're going to start the conversation on their terms. So be very clear about what it is that you want to achieve and then seek out referrals from people who are good at that. You know, there are tons of digital agencies out there, but some are better at email than others who are better at fundraising. I'm absolutely happy to be helpful to members and they can reach me, E. Wilson at bullpentechnologygroup.com. I'm happy to answer questions there and we're working on solutions for this space as well. But I think it just goes back to know what you want, know what your expectations are, and then go into that conversation and you're already 90% of the way there. The trick is finding someone that you trust who can explain it to you because chances are, if the person that you're working with can't explain what they're doing, they don't really understand it. Eric, I've heard the saying, data is everywhere. How is technology changing the political campaign space with regard to that data? Well, so many more of our decisions are, are driven by data. You know, it's all about reaching the right voter at the right moment on the right platform with the right message, with the right messenger. And so to do all of those things, you need a ton of data. What we're seeing is that becoming more and more sophisticated. It sort of started just with voter files and, and looking at numbers, but we're moving into even more sophisticated data sets because voters are telling us every single day what they think about things. We're getting very clear signals from candidates about what they believe. It's one of those things where if you just listen, you can hear quite a bit. And so I think data is something that has that certainly made political campaigns more accountable, more accurate in how they allocate resources and expect that to come to the government relations industry as well. I like to draw a parallel in this case to what people in the intelligence community commonly refer to as open source material. If you are opening your ears and in a listening posture, what you hear might just shock you. And in the campaign space, Eric, the truth is when your opponent is making an unforced error at any time or just sharing a piece of news, it's incumbent upon the people who are running the campaign to know about it and be able to make it actionable. Same thing is true when it comes to government relations, communications, and helping our employee-funded PACs achieve their goals. We've got to be operating in a world that we understand that's always changing. Absolutely. And I think open source intelligence is exactly the right way to think about it. I mean, there's actually a disadvantage to having your own private intelligence because it's probably wrong. Think about just how difficult it is to poll voters right now. And what's astonishing to me, and, and this is something I'm working on, as you know, is there's so much data out there. We have more data than ever before, but our ability to predict is worse than ever before. And so I think that's something that needs to be resolved in short order. Um, but to go back to Abigail's point about how do you manage this with tight budgets, you know, there, there's tons of data out there 
all ready for, for your review and analysis. It just takes your unique perspective to piece it all together. Is there a company that you guys are looking at or a space that people should be thinking about if they're going to Google after listening to the show? I work with a company called Pundit Analytics. We're really involved in scraping different information that's out there. I mean, I think one of the biggest untapped treasure troves right now is Facebook advertising and Google advertising. You can know down to the penny, more or less, how much is being spent on your issue by other players in this space. And that's one thing that they tackle really well and excited to see them expand on in 2021. What are your thoughts on Facebook restricting political ads until after the election? My biggest frustration with Facebook is that they seem to be making this up as they go along. They don't have any clear strategy for how they're going to deal with this. And what they don't understand is that the people who are going through the process of becoming verified political advertisers, I mean, anyone who's done it knows that you have to get a postcard in the mail, you give them the last four digits of your social security number, you've got to uh, check in on the app in the country where you're running ads. There's so many hoops to go through. And even after you go through all of those, they're going to say you can't run ads at these sorts of periods of time. Well, the, the real problem are the the people spreading disinformation organically on their platform. They shouldn't be going after uh, legitimate campaigns, legitimate people with issues, because as you know, you know, we're going to go right into a lame duck session after election day. And so I just think it's, it's really irresponsible. They're trying to solve one problem, but they're creating a whole set of problems for other people. I, I wish they'd listen to me. I'd be happy to help, but uh, they haven't taken me up on that offer. Eric Wilson, political technologist and VP of strategy at Bullpen Technology Group. Thank you for being on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a great conversation. Coming up next week, part three of the Facts About PACs election special, where you will learn the top five ways your digital campaign may be missing meaningful connections with women and how to fix it. Our special guest, Jacqueline Plunkett from Double Black Digital. Thank you to all of our listeners for making us the number one pack podcast in America. Until next week, stay safe, stay engaged, and keep moving forward. 